the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Brian Loritz from Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. When I understand how many one-night stands God has forgiven me of, I now become not a cul-de-sac of God's forgiveness, where it just sits. I now become a boulevard. So this is wildly important to us. When I understand that I am receiving and living and existing and drafting off of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ... That now makes me gracious to others. Hello and welcome to today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast with Brian Loritz, Senior Pastor of Abundant Life Christian Fellowship in Mountain View, California. We are delighted and honored that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's broadcast... Pastor Brian continues our teaching series through the New Testament book of Galatians. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. Now here's Pastor Brian with today's study. It's great to be here with you all this week. If you have your Bibles, please meet me back in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3. This is week 5. Last week, my plan was to get all the way through Uh, Galatians chapter 3, but it kind of got good to me, so I only got one point um, last week in. Uh, So I've got two points to give today, which typically I give three, but so that means either this message is going to be twice as long as last week, because I only gave one. Today I've got two points. Uh, I doubt it. Uh, We'll we'll be on the shorter side of things. Good week for me. I spent some time with um, um, several hundred uh, football players from the uh, NFL and I uh, had the privilege of seeing 40 of them get baptized uh, who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3, pick me up in verse 1. Let me read the whole chapter to us again this week. The guy who wrote this, his name is Paul. Paul says these words, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as, make note of this verse, we'll unpack it today, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then, verse 7, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "...in you shall all the nations be blessed." 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, verse 15, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God. Do you see what he's saying? Abraham was saved before the law. So why are you trying to live by the law? The law does not save. For, verse 18, if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. We talked about that last week. Until the offspring offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. You hear what he's saying there? If the law could have saved you, why did Christ come? But the Scripture imprisoned everything, imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian, our guardian, our guardian, until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I love this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's no one in Los Altos and East Palo Alto. There's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Several years ago, there was a small town in the Far East in which a rumor was going about. The rumor was there was a young woman in this town who was having rather regular and frequent visions of Jesus. The local bishop in that town heard about it, and he got in contact with this young woman. He says, young lady, I've been hearing that that there's... um, There's been a sense in which you've been having visions of Jesus. 
Is this rumor true? The young woman says, yes, Bishop, it is true. I have regular and frequent visions of Jesus. And in these visions, Jesus and I dialogue and discourse regularly. The bishop somewhat cynically said, well, next time Jesus shows up to you in a vision and you have a conversation with him, I want you to ask him to tell you all of the sins I confessed at my last confessional. The young woman said, Bishop, that's a, that's a pretty vulnerable request there. Are you sure you want me to ask Jesus that? The bishop says, absolutely. Next time he shows up, I want you to solicit from him to get him to tell you all the confessions that I confessed at my last confessional. The young lady said, absolutely. A couple days later, she got in touch with the bishop, and she said, Bishop, I want you to know Jesus showed up to me in a vision. He he and I had a dialogue and a discourse, and we talked about you. The bishop said, well, then did you do what I asked you to do? Did you tell him to tell you all of the sins that I confessed at my last confessional? The young woman said, absolutely, bishop. That's exactly what I did. I said, Jesus, please tell me all of the sins this local bishop has confessed at his last confessional. Well, the bishop said with tiptoe anticipation, what did he say? The woman said, Jesus told me, I can't remember. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is not just that our sins have been forgiven, But in some way, shape, or form, the omniscient, all-knowing God has forgotten our sins. The Bible declares that he will remember our sins no more. I'm not sure if this means literally from a cognitive perspective, but forgotten from a punitive perspective, that, that Jesus Christ does not hold our sins against us. That as far as the east is from the west, is as far as he has removed our sins from us. Oh, if I was in a chocolate church, we'd be shouting right about now, running some laps around this sanctuary, tearing the carpet up. That's good news. To know that my sins have not only been paid for, but they have been removed as far as from the east is from the west. They are no longer held against us. We have been set free for Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, but he's washed it white as snow. They've been forgotten. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This year we've been taking a plunge into the gospel. All this year, we are going to play one note, and one note only, the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that we said, my friend J.D. Greer kind of came up with this phrasing, is we said that the gospel is not just the diving board. It is not just something that catapults us into a relationship with God. It is also the pool. It is the waters we must immerse ourselves in daily. We must learn to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. We must learn to understand that, yes, we are desperately needy. Yes, we are completely helpless. Yes, we are deeply loved. And yes, we are fully embraced. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
But now some of you may be wondering, how does this apply to how I live on a daily basis? The gospel applies in every single way for how you and I live our lives. If you are resting deeply in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will profoundly impact your relationships with others. However, if you are resting deeply in the gospel of the law, this works-oriented performance outlook and perspective on life, that too will have a dramatic impact with how you relate with others. Let me just give you one quick illustration of this. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells a profound story. I guess all of his stories were profound, by the way. But in this one, he talks about a young man who is in debt to a king for, for the sum total of 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Now, this is amazing because in Jesus' day, the annual budget to run the region of Galilee was 300 talents. This man owes 10,000 talents. I don't know what his interest rates are. If ever there's an indication in Scripture for predatory lending, <laughs> this is it. This guy owns, owes 10,000 talents. Now, one talent for some people was a year's worth of wages. What this man owes, to get it into a, an American context, is like putting China's debt on one individual. It's like putting on what America owes to China to one individual. But in an insane act of grace, the king forgives him. Forgives him millions, if not billions of dollars. You know what this man does? He then goes and finds someone who owes him what amounts to be a few dollars and begins to choke him saying, pay what you owe. He refuses to let this man go. The king who just let him go of China's debt says to him in so many words, are you kidding me? Here I have released you from millions, if not billions of dollars, and you are tripping because this one individual owes you a couple of dollars? This is what God communicates through his son Jesus as it relates to the gospel. Jesus says when we don't understand the gospel, you and I will contract something called spiritual amnesia. When we don't swim deeply in the gospels of Jesus and are reminded daily that we are forgiven of all of our sins we will not be forgiving people. So what Jesus is trying to get at here is, when you forget the gospel and all that God has done for you, when you are out of sync with the reality that but for the grace of God, there go I, you will in turn be a performance-oriented person who trips off of the slightest thing someone else does. I see this all the time in, in the body of Christ where you want to look at people and go, wait a minute, let me get this straight. God, through Jesus Christ, has forgiven every sin you have committed, are committing, and will ever commit, and you ain't speaking to her because one time she talked about you. That is the epitome of biblical hypocrisy. Listen to me, I'm, I'm sitting here right now, I'm talking to some individuals. You, you, aren't, you aren't talking to somebody in your life. You aren't talking to somebody in your family. You aren't, you aren't talking to a coworker, or whatever. And you can call it whatever it is. At the end of the day, it's kind of unforgiveness. An unforgiving Christian, thank you, one person back there clapped. An unforgiving Christian, hear it now, is an oxymoron. An unforgiving Christian, to put it in, in even better, more concise terms, is a Christian who ain't swimming in the deep waters of the gospel. Yeah. 
This ain't about whether or not you need to be reconciled with them. This ain't about whether or not you need to get back into friendship with them. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. You can forgive without being reconciled, but you can't be reconciled without forgiving. So I just want you to understand something here. When you understand that, man, I'm glancing at the rearview mirror of my journey with Jesus. I'm not staring at the rearview mirror, but I glance at it from time to time. And I understand the depths in which God saved me. I understand that there was a time in my life when I was that individual you would call in college to have a good time with. When I understand how many one-night stands God has forgiven me of, I now become not a cul-de-sac of God's forgiveness where it just sits. I now become a boulevard. So this is wildly important to us. When I understand that I am receiving and living and existing and drafting off of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that now makes me gracious to others. So if you're unforgiving, if you're ungracious, if you're sexist, if you're racist, if you're classist, if you pull up to your house, wherever it may be, Los Altos, wherever it may be, and something in you goes, thank God I don't live in such and such a zip code, you ain't living the gospel. So this is why, I'm telling you, this is extremely practical. When you really come to terms with the gospel, it will revolutionize your relationships with others. Some of you all, at the end of the day, I'm trying to save you 150 bucks uh, an hour for your marriage counseling. I'm not anti-therapy, all right? Some of y'all here are therapists. I'm a pastor. You messing with my business now. Um, I'm not anti-therapy, but listen. Some of y'all, I can save you a lot of money. Just live the gospel. See, when you live the gospel in the context of your own marriage, and when you understand that God does not relate to you by your performance, but by the performance that Jesus Christ put on for you on a hill called Calvary, now what happens is I don't grade my wife based on her performance. I don't grade my husband based on his performance. That joker didn't take the trash out again. I done told him millions of times to take out the trash, and uh, he's going to come tapping me on my shoulder later on this evening, wanting to get blessed. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. But anyways, <laughs> but when you understand God blesses you in spite of you, that none of us up in here really get what we deserve, praise God, that changes the ball game and how I relate to other people. When you understand that we serve a God who is a glass half full God, who, who, who believes the best in us even though he sees the worst in us, now we stop being suspicious of other people. Some of us rush to make indictments of other people and we don't even know all the facts. So the gospel changes everything. Bless you. So here we are talking about the law. Last week, we talked about the assets of the law. We talked about the law being this 613 system of do's and don'ts, 
rule after rule after rule after rule after rule that canvassed and covered everything from don't eat shellfish, don't eat pork, none of that stuff, even though, you know, gluten-free pork is okay, all that stuff. We, we examine it to what should a woman do when that time of the month comes. This was the law. And one of the things that we saw last week is that Paul tells us one of the great benefits of the law is it exists to reveal our own transgressions, our sense of neediness. That once you understood as you were going to the temple yet again with another bull, with another you know, calf, with another goat, with another lamb to offer another sacrifice, to, to atone for something you messed up on again for the umpteenth time, it clicked all of a sudden. I can't keep this. There is no way possible I can keep this standard. Have you read the Sermon on the Mount lately? We can't keep it. We cannot keep this standard. Again, Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at a woman with lust in her heart, I won't ask for a show of hands, but ain't none of us brothers up in here have aced that one for our whole entire lives. So what you understand is what God already knows. You can't keep it, you can't keep it, you can't keep it, you can't keep it, you can't keep it. So stop basing your identity off of it. So the law exists. The benefit of the law is it is meant to drive us to our need for Jesus Christ. I can't love my neighbor as myself. I can't do unto others as I would have them do unto me. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God understands this. So the law reveals sin. I see that sin in me. And I am now driven to the one who can give me a new heart and who can cover my sin. That is the asset of the law. Today I want to show you the liabilities of the law. One of the things that's just clear is, as Paul is is writing our text, he gives us, he's really painting in broad strokes, the liabilities of the law. And that is the law has way more liabilities than assets. He's going to give us four of them. Uh, The first one he's going to show us is that the law, one of the major liabilities of the law, is that the law brings us into bondage. Look at verse 23. Now before faith came, we were held captive, held captive, held captive under the law imprisoned, imprisoned, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Later on, he talks about the law being a guardian. So one of the things that we understand is the law does not bring freedom. It imprisons us. What Paul is saying fundamentally is when your approach to life is rules, 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 that's not freedom. That's bondage. When my sons um, were about 12 years old, I'd always have a talk with them, and we'd take a walk through the neighborhood, and, and typically what would happen is we would see a, um, uh, we'd see a person walking their dog with or without a leash. And I'd always tell my sons, we're about to enter into your teenage years, and um, here's how this thing's going to go down. I remember one time saying to one of my sons, uh, there's this master walking, uh, there's this person walking a dog, but the dog doesn't have a leash. I says, you know why that dog doesn't have a leash? Because the master can trust that when it tells that dog to do something, it'll do it. The reason why you put a leash on a dog is because you have to rein them in because you don't trust them that they have the maturity to handle their freedoms well. That's why you put a leash on a dog. 
So I, I would tell my sons, here's how it's going to go down for your teenage years. If you want freedom, you've got control over that. You have control over that. If you prove yourself to be immature, there's going to be a leash. And you keep proving yourself immature, that leash is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. And Why? Because you do that for immature people who cannot handle their freedoms. You restrict them. And you keep them under bondage. You know what the New Testament calls a person who views their sense of righteousness and self-worth based on rules? Calls them weak. Weak. Now, now, for some of us, actually for all of us, this is actually good. All of us in this room, we have weak areas of our lives in which we have to keep a close watch on and we have to safeguard. Pastor Brian Loritz with today's Inspired to Live radio broadcast. We truly want to thank you for spending time with us today studying God's Word. If you'd like more information on Pastor Brian or on Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, here's how you can contact us. Our mailing address is 2440 Leghorn Street in Mountain View, California, 94043. Our Information Center phone number is area code 650-210-9340. And of course, you can look us up on the World Wide Web at alcf.net where you'll find multiple links with information about our church and our staff, a calendar of upcoming ALCF events, and, if you're in the Mountain View area, on Sunday morning our worship service begins at 10 a.m., and we would love for you to join us. Again, for more information on this and everything else happening here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship, just visit our website at alcf.net. Well, we hope you'll join us again next time as Pastor Brian continues to lead us through a study of God's Word. But until then, it is our hope and prayer from everyone here at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.